Hello and welcome everyone to the No Normal Show for Thursday, August 13th, 2020, brought to you by Revive Health. This is our weekly deep dive into how hospital and health system marketers can navigate what we're calling the No Normal. I'm Chris Bevelo, health systems practice lead at Revive Health and your host for the show. I'm joined by Chase Kleckner, who is senior marketing manager at Revive Health and our show's producer. Hello, Chase. Hey, Chris. Good to see you as always. Good to see you too. And we are joined once again by Jeff Spear, who's EVP here at Revive Health on our strategy team. Jeff's been working with healthcare companies for nearly 20 years in all manner of engagements from brand strategy and identity to earned media and lots of issues in crisis, which makes you a perfect guest for today's show. What's up, Jeff? How's it going, Chris? Chase, nice to see you again. Good to see you too, sir. Thank you for joining. This should be a very um, interesting show. I think this is going to be an interesting topic to dive into. So glad you're with us. Uh, some notes before we dive in. If you're new to the show, what do we mean by the no normal? So obviously, as we all continue to work through COVID-19, um, we hear people talking about the new normal. When are we going to get back to normal? Uh, our point of view is we have no idea what normal is going to look like or even when we can start referring to th things as normal. Uh, so we call it the no normal environment. And in terms of healthcare, it's going to take months, if not years, potentially, uh, for us to get to something resembling normal. That said, that can't stop us from moving forward. We have to learn to live and succeed in this era of uncertainty. So this show is about how can we do that? Uh, and it is focused just for you, hospital and health system marketers and communicators navigating the no normal. So if you want to know more about that point of view, uh, check out our blog post on it and the five principles of what it takes to succeed in the no normal. Chase will post a link to that in our chat function in Zoom. Uh, for our live listeners, if you've got questions for Jeff or myself or Chase, as we move through the show, please put them in the, the Q&A queue in the Zoom uh, window. You can use chat to talk to other attendees. Uh, Chase will be using the chat function to post links that we're about things we're talking about. But if you want us to address a question in the show, we look for that in the Q&A queue. So make sure you guys put it there. And remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and as always, we post a recording of this show by the end of the day on our website. So you can also go get it there. Um, if you want to see it again or share it with somebody else, that's at thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19. Uh, just a couple updates before we dive into the topic for today, which is uh, rogue doctors. Uh, but a couple of things I think that will help us lead into it. So the first is, uh, Jeff, you had actually shared this. It's an article in the New York Times, uh, one of their lead stories today about the CDC announcing that the count that we all have, which, you know, we used to go through um, when we had our other mm -hmm. daily podcast, the count every day. And I'm not sure where it's at now. I think it's at 165, 66, 67,000, something in there. Um, that that's actually probably low and that the the actual death count is probably in the United States uh, over 200,000, right? Well, yeah, I think what the CDC, the, the data that's coming out says that at least 200,000 more people have died than expected, than usual based on years of data. 
uh, since March. So they say that that's about 60,000 higher than the number of deaths that have been directly linked to coronavirus during that time. Uh, and and the, it's a really good article in New York Times. They show the, the ex excess deaths by week, by region. And you can, of course, link that to when certain waves hit certain regions of the United States. Um, and while there may be other things at play, other causes, uh, they've previously run stories showing that, for example, in New York and New Jersey, the number of expected deaths due to heart disease higher during a certain period. So maybe some side effects of the virus, maybe side effects of not seeking treatment. The bottom line is um, we, we clearly don't have a handle on the virus, nor do we necessarily have a handle on how many people are actually being imp impacted by it directly or indirectly. Yeah, and I think that's important for two reasons. One is just important overall to kind of understand what you just said. But it also kind of sets up our, our topic for today because, um, you know, science is imperfect. How we're counting this is imperfect. Um, and, you know, we all kind of look at Johns Hopkins or the New York Times for the official death counts each day and the cumulative. But we know that that's not perfect. But anytime any kind of uncertainty comes forward for data like this, um, it feeds the beast of misinformation of um, politics of all the different things that are out there um, in both both ways right whether you, whether you believe um, coronavirus is, is as, as bad as it is or worse or whether you believe it's not as bad as it is at all and that's really where it kind of leads into the topic for today and I want to um, share a LinkedIn post that I saw today um, and I think that's okay right if somebody posts on LinkedIn that's that's it's fair to, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all good, but I don't want to like, you know, it's not like an email somebody sent me and I'm sharing it publicly. Um, <laughs> but, but I do it because I want to give Katie credit. I don't know Katie Everett. Um, she's chief communications officer at Novant Health. Um, but obviously somebody that's in our circle um, in, professionally and in the, in the folks that we work with. Mm. Uh, and her post today, I thought was just very, very powerful. And I think it was from today. Um, she might have posted it earlier. The story she quotes is actually from late July. So um, it's possible this post wasn't put out there today. And I'm, I'm seeing it because it came in my feed today. But here's what she said. False information about COVID-19 must be treated as a parallel pandemic. These conspiracy theories and lies actually undermine our efforts to control the violence, especially when we're dealing with denial of its existence, prevalence, or severity. So again, that kind of leads to anytime we hear a story like Jeff mentioned, people are going to point, some people are going to point to it and see, you don't even know what you're talking about. You can't even right. be straight on how many people have died. Um, credit to Katie, because that's a really strong stance to take. Um, and we encourage that because we believe hospitals and health systems should be taking stance on health information. Um, and because there's controversy, you may have to come down with kind of this kind of language. So we just, just celebrate that she's willing to do that. Uh, but it leads into our topic, which is um, what do you do if you're a hospital and health system and you have somebody who is out there in a way that is feeding misinformation as we all believe that to be? So let's define that. Let's break that down a little bit because yeah. obviously science is not perfect, as we said. Um, we all know that, that medicine is not a, an exact science. So of course there's gonna be differing opinions. There is on everything, 
anything in the medical community, there's differences of opinions, right? So, but that's not what we're talking about. So we're talking about rogue docs. So first of all, let's separate rogue docs from the issue that has been out there since the beginning of caregivers, sometimes clinicians, physicians, others, um, who are outspoken about what's going on in their hospital or health system in terms of like PPE or safety precautions, right? So right. we had the ED doctor uh, up in Washington uh, who was fired for speaking out publicly in social media about, hey, we don't have enough and, and all of that. Uh, just here in the Twin Cities this week, uh, there's a, a story in the Star Tribune about an, an ED nurse who was fired, who is suing the ho hospital here saying um, he was fired and that's a, a, a symbol of unsafe conditions at mm -hmm. the hospital, right? So, so that's, we'll, we'll just put that more kind of in a labor issue. And we have talked about that in the past and we can come back to that as a topic. What we're talking about here are, we're going to focus just on physicians, though it could be, could be nurses, could be anybody, right? Well, scientists, researchers that may right. no tied to your, yeah, sorry. Yes, science researchers tied to your system, your hospital, your health system. And the way we're kind of defining is this, a rogue doctor, we'll just use that phrase, is someone who has an extreme health view, one. And what we mean by that is fringe. It's not, it's so out there. It's so on the, on the, on the fringe um, as to be, like if it's a bell curve, they're, in the, they're on one of the 5% ends, right? And so um, typically that means they're going to be counter to what you as an institution are saying in a significant degree. But it also takes another um, component. It's not just having that view, it's sharing that view in an extreme way. Because you can have a doctor who believes that coronavirus isn't real or that masks don't help or that hydroxychloroquine is a cure. But if they're just sharing that in the physician's lounge, that's one thing. It's another thing if they're calling press conferences. It's another thing if they're on the steps of the Capitol, right? So it really takes both of those, I think, for this to become a problem um, to the degree that health systems and hospitals need to figure out well, what can we do about it. And that's what this, this show is going to focus on, right? So, so let's just kind of, um, let's go through the rogues gallery. Oh, I just came up with that. Well, I think I think real quick, though, on the a problem, there's, there's two problems, right? One is there's a problem possibly to your reputation. Because if that doctor is out there talking and then they're saying, Dr. Smith, a ex-doctor with this organization, that's a reputational issue. Second is, is a problem possibly in where we started in feeding what you and your institution believe are misinformation that are endangering people's lives or harming our ability to control the situation as a, as a community, as a state, as a region, as a society. Potentially liability issue too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's the, if, if you have this situation with a rogue doc or rogue caregiver, extreme health view, extreme expression, um, lots of headaches potentially. And we would love folks to share if they're comfortable and you can keep it anonymous situations that you're dealing with right now. Um, we're going to share a few here. That's the rogues gallery. The rogue doctor gallery. The rogue doctor gallery. Um, just to kind of, I mean, I think everybody gets it, but uh, to set up the conversation about mm -hmm. solutions and, and paths that you can take. But let's start with the, with the OGs. 
the original rogue docs, um, which in my mind were those two urgent care doctors um, down in your neck of the woods, Jeff, right? Yeah, Southern California. Yeah, so Jeff's out of Santa Barbara. So I can't remember, was it San Diego? No, LA? I, think, I think it was uh, East LA. Okay, yeah, yeah. Broader LA. So people probably remember them. Uh, they created a video, went viral on Facebook first. Uh, 4.3 million views on YouTube back in April. Elon Musk tweeting, boy, these guys got... These guys are making some good points. Um, we'll post a story about them, but they were basically saying, hey, this is not a big deal. I don't know if they used the word hoax, um, but but they obviously had a bias in that they were trying to keep their practices open. Right. So for one, among a, a lot of other problems. And, and I'll just say, I've, I've seen people repost it. And of course, every time it's reposted, it's these are two MDs saying it. Yes. You know, that's Two doctors. That's the... It's the problem, right? Yeah. I mean, they're licensed doctors, right? So they're, you can't dismiss them as, as not experts because they're licensed doctors. Right. But that doesn't mean they're experts. Right. They, they, they may not. And, and as you read the story we'll post and or any other, you can see all the different groups and associations that basically said, oh, look, these guys are nuts. Medical associations and stuff, right? Real experts. But again, with that MD label, it gives them a credibility, right? We, we are all familiar with, the Houston doctor, the steps of the Capitol. Um, we won't go into the crazy, crazy. I mean, they're crazy, right? I mean, alien DNA is being used. It's, we got the demon sperm. I said I was going to say that one time on the show and only one time. Um, but, but it's look, out there. Not only is it out there, we had the, the highest elected official in this land promoting message like we could that's a whole nother like podcast not our podcast to get into that right but that's politics aside this is the president of the united states sharing this this information right um among many 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 others right uh we had a situation and we won't name it because we try to avoid um pouring salt on the wound of the people that we work with and, and want to help everyday hospitals and health systems we won't name it um but people can probably figure out if they dig deep enough top amc in this country had a senior scientist from their staff um, pull together kind of an ad hoc group early on to try to sway the president and his staff that COVID was not a thing, not going to be a problem, don't shut the, the, the country down. All of it premised on hypotheses, not data right. at all, which is, again, like these are, these are senior, senior respected experts, clinicians, researchers, but why in the world they're approaching it in a non-scientific way is why it's a problem, and right? Completely it, faulty modeling. Yeah, that's right. And then down the line, right? So we've had doctors show up at school board meetings trying to advocate for opening schools, saying masks aren't needed, this is overblown. Um, yep. Press conferences held on sometimes on the property of hospitals and health systems, um, on TV, social media, right? I mean, are we missing anything? obvious or big well there was a doctor that was basically refusing to wear a mask on campus and then also like you said large social media following it's it's pretty pretty bad sometimes. it's pretty bad and it obvious it, it's not contained just to our world right it, recently there's been a lot of stories about a sheriff in florida who basically says no not right. only am I not wearing it, I'm telling my, my deputies not to wear it. And 
you're not allowed to wear masks if you come into the sheriff's department. Like, so, so the bigger problem that Kate was talking about and that we mentioned in the beginning um, goes to all aspects of our society, but this is our world. And this is a unique problem for hospitals and, and health systems. So, so with all that said, I think, you know, most people get the issue. We don't have to belabor yeah. it. Let's start, Jeff, with, you know, what are some of the ways that we can best address this from a communications perspective? And we'll, we'll take some other angles as well. Sure. Let's start there. Well, first, I think um, the main thing is we have to look at this as it's not us against a physician or whoever's out there speaking. It's, it's us and what are we trying to achieve as an organization and what kinds of facts are we trying to put out there and what's our goal with the public, um, as well as, of course, our reputation. And we've, we've talked a lot, you have on the podcast, about what it means to be a leader and as an organization, during, particularly during these times. So um, first and foremost, it's what's your obligation to the community and what's your obligation to the organization to be a leader there. And, and we really do view it as being arbiters of truth. Uh, your organization has some of the best actual experts, theoretically, uh, on the topic. They can follow other experts and really try to distill down the latest evidence and research in ways that the, the public can understand. And of course, as we've seen a lot of our clients really advising and working with public health officials as well as elected officials as they try to stay uh, close to what's actually happening since the science um, does change, as Chris said, and what we learn about this this disease changes um, from the beginning and the strategies to address it. So it's really difficult when at one point we were saying, hey, don't wear masks, and we're saying, yes, wear masks. If someone's going to use that against you, they're going to use it against you, but you still have a obligation to be out there with the truth. Um, so we, I guess, first and foremost, we say, don't go out there trying to go against a specific physician or counter physician or scientists, but but you do need to be out there to combat some of these claims and really help your communities uh, figure out the right path. Um, and your spokesperson really should be clinician, infectious disease expert, somebody who has that backing. This is not a situation where we believe CEO, COO, head of HR should really be talking as much as Let's just talk about the science and the data, and this is what we see. Yeah, all that's great. And of course, we're talking about this kind of in the frame of, of what's happened to this point, right? So that's either to what extent is COVID-19 really a threat? What are the ways to address it? What what is the impact been? We talked about deaths and all of that. Um, what you're starting to see now is conversations around vaccines. So something that's coming. And you know, if this has been an issue to this point, we all know what's going to happen as we start to move into that phase. It's already happening. Um, we already know about the controversy with anti-vaccine uh, vaccine um, points of view. And so we can imagine as that as that moves forward, it's just going to be the same, you know, same extreme views, extreme expression with a right. different related topic. And so we got to manage what's happening now, but we ought to be thinking about this in terms of what are we going to be, what are we going to do when that starts coming forward? Well, we, and we, I think we talked about this a little bit in the last time I was probably on the podcast, um, the, the vaccine, whether they're effective or not, whether it's safe or not, and then who gets it. Mm -hmm. 
and what's your point of view as a health system? You're probably going to follow theoretically whatever guidelines are put out there by CDC or whoever else, but you still need to have your own view and need to vet that. And I think that's one of the biggest problems here. So um, hospitals and health systems, I think it's not just, there's two, two issues, I guess, and you, you defined it earlier. And there's the extreme views and then the, the rogue doctors who are out there frequently in a very public way pushing their extreme views. That's the combination. Well, we have to ha combat that with similar things, which is extreme views on the facts and making sure we're staying update to that constantly and taking a pulse on what people are thinking about now. And I'll give an example in a second, but also communicating about it frequently, even when you're tired about communicating about it. Um, so yesterday, my, my wife, who's a teacher, asked me, she said, okay, kind of like, where's your view on this? Would you force a three-year-old with autism to wear a mask on a plane? Because apparently I think she was reading about this maybe with Southwest. And I said, I don't know. I said, I think the latest thing I've heard is that three-year-olds and people under the age of four or so are less likely to have the condition or spread it. Um, and I think the most laws right now require that are mandating masks are a little bit older than that. But I don't know. When's the last time I read about it? Probably a few weeks ago. And maybe since then there's new data because there's new data all the time. So as a health system, you, I think, really need a, a to make sure someone on your team is staying on top of the latest research and informing those people that are leading whatever guidelines you're giving and communicating about to the public. Um, but certainly also you probably need someplace publicly very clear how you're coming to your viewpoints and where your sources of truth are and why those are your sources of truth and that you're updating those as it changes so that you are not burned later if some data changes. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It it is such a um it's such a lost point in in all of the conversations and controversies that this changes. We learn, um we 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 get more data. Um so you give it the example of like don't wear masks and now you should wear masks. And even that is is like you know, initially the message I guess there was messages that said, don't wear masks because they're not effective. But the, the main message, like I can still hear Dr. Fauci, right. was not that they're not effective. It was, well, look, we got to be careful because we got we got to save these masks for the frontline right. workers. And so that was the main reason not to wear masks because they didn't want people going out and hoarding masks. Um, but still, it's taken in as don't wear masks, and now it is wear masks. And um you know, I, I saw something recently that said, look, six feet is really not the optimal distance. It should be 10. You know, as uh -huh. soon as that stuff gets out there, it's not, a, I, know, I haven't heard that from official levels. It was just some study. Um, but that stuff is constant. And so it is the sources of truth that you pick. It is the CDC, if, if that's who it is, it should be. Um, it's your own clinicians. It's your own experts. Mm -hmm. um, you really have to to make sure that that's clear because there is just, everything under the sun is out there and people have access to it. And there's, they're doing more research. So the mask, I think even when it evolved, it was, it protects people from you, not necessarily you from other people. But I think two weeks ago, I read some studies that actually it does protect you and other people. Right. Um, but I guess let, let's like continue down the, the path. If you've got a doctor or a rogue doctor out there, are there legal options? 
Yeah. So uh, we did, um, you know, this is a huge headache for system, particularly if the physician is not backing down and maybe is on the steps of the Capitol <laughs> raging or leading a very public campaign um, or maybe involved in some strange documentary out there. Who knows about the, how oh, it's a hoax from the Democratic Party. Um, so that's a real risk. And as Chris said earlier, potential legal uh, risk. So we did speak with Dan Higgins. He's a partner at Denton's. Uh, we work with them, a world's largest law firm, to figure out what kind of options might be out there um, to address physicians that are maybe putting out what we would call misinformation. Right. Um, and what we would say, first of all, is we are not legal experts. So whatever you hear of us about to say, and Dan is not talking to you, please talk <laughs> to your own legal counsel before you do anything. Um, but he did say that there are, they're really the options are limited for recourse because of physician rights to share their medical opinion with patients in the public. Even when, for example, they might be wearing a, not wearing a mask when you're requiring it on campus, that might be an issue as well. But if there is a significant conversation around an affiliated physician, you know, you can, of course, as we said earlier, counter it with your own point of view. This shouldn't be about the physician. It's just about putting out our facts and letting, hopefully, and I would say do a lot of good briefing with the local media, um, use your own channels, let people compare these two things together. So get your comms teams involved, um, as well as probably some people from legal. Uh, if the physician is using a logo or the platform of the health system without permission, we of course can ask the physician not to use that, and that's probably in your employment guidelines. Um, or if it's a non-employed physician, maybe there may be some medical staff bylaws that you can talk through um, and put that out there. Uh, when it is an employee physician involved, um, you might be able to do other things. For example, drafting some policy if you don't have it right now on um, how people can stay safe and, and our points of view, and then really making it clear who can speak out on behalf of the system and using your logo and affiliation there as it relates to these things, because most of us have um, some policies around who can speak publicly and needing to be authorized. So it's a good time to put that reminder out there with the context of safe and valid information, not about suppressing someone's voice. Um, it is a confusing time and there's enough things out there. Um, so it, it's a dicey situation, but the main thing is you've got to be active. You've got to stay on top of this. Um, and if you haven't already dedicated somebody on your team to be watching the news, tracking it, course correcting, and, and really on pretty regular basis with your kind of staying alongside your key spokespeople, making sure they're up to date, similar you would do in any kind of, say, political campaign. Um, you really need to set that time aside and that structure aside. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just, you know, we just have to kind of think through the way that this can kind of domino, right? So obviously we keep saying this isn't about going after the rogue doctor. Right. Um, and one of the reasons we say that is because you can make the problem worse um, if it's an, if a rogue doctor, so extreme views, extreme expression, um, that doctor's not going to be shy about saying, oh, now I got the man coming down. I, mean, I, got my, you know, I got these people telling me like, 
they can drag you into it more than they 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 had in the outset, if at all, right? So there's always a risk of exacerbating the situation. The other way, you know, and we've seen this a little bit, um, we're talking about rogue doctors and extreme views related to COVID-19. But often that's just one dimension of a rogue doctor's extreme views. And we have seen, not coincidentally, I think is fair, dig a little deep and you see rogue yes. views on other things, particularly when we're in an era of a lot of conversation and unrest around social justice, as an example. So you could have a whole nother conversation about rogue doctors in that area, right? Yeah. Um, outspoken doctors uh, in terms of Black Lives Matter, we'll say. Uh, but but even if we're not going there, looking at where those doctors are in terms of COVID often leads you through their channels, through other things you may not be aware of to that. And the last thing you want to do is help draw those, you know, connect those dots for people um, if you don't want those dots connected. So all of those things kind of, you know, as soon as you dig and kind of peel back the layers, there's a lot more to it, which is why the more you can just kind of stay up here and not get down in the mud, I guess is a good way to say it, the better. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting you say that you bring this up, Chris, because if this is just a great example of the evolution, I think, that we're seeing of, of even hospitals in becoming a leader and needing to be a leader. So our, our studies have shown that the public is absolutely looking at hospitals and health systems for information. They trust hospitals and health systems. They're going to seek information more often. But some of these, these things that you're talking about around doctors and looking through their backgrounds and some of their maybe very extreme views on topics isn't probably new to anyone who's been in hospital marketing for a while, right? Like it pops up once a year, I would say, where we've got a client that says, hey, I need you to look at this. We found this on social media or somebody complained about this doctor saying this and that. And it's kind of blows your mind for a minute. And so you go through, well, what can we do? And as I said earlier, legally, there's not a whole lot you can do, but there's there are staff bylaws and things that come up. So physicians aren't necessarily, it's hard to kick them off a medical staff, but I think there are relatively straightforward ways that you can keep them from renewing. Um, but, but what it goes to now, I think, is hospitals and health systems have typically not taken very public stances on a lot of things. Uh, now is for most of our clients, I think, and, and people, listeners out there, is the time to think about what your stance is and how proactive you want to be. We had a whole show on this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and if you haven't had these discussions with your leadership in A, what it means to be a leader in your community and how to act on that and proactively look at all the stances that you may or may not want to take and your rationale and why, you really need to get prepared so you're not bombarded every single time by figuring out what to do. Because uh, this isn't going away. Doctors are going to have extreme views. The country's having more extreme divisiveness. So where, wherever you stand as a system, you just have to know where that is and have a plan on how to speak about it and, and address it if it comes up. Because it's going to come up. Um, yeah. And you just can't avoid it at this point, particularly in the next five, six months where if we thought, if we thought the last three or four months were crazy, uh, I think 
we can talk to about the vaccine when schools get back to normal is the vaccine safe who should get the vaccine um heat of the election which is election. just like fueling so much of this should obviously. should youth sports happen in your community <laughs> i mean right now we're flu talking season. college football right yeah flu season but college football is probably canceled what's your view on that health system because you're a medical expert yeah yeah it just all of that just brings me back to katie katie everett's mm -hmm. post on linkedin um and it makes me think of like the degrees of leadership just in COVID information right i don't think there's any hospital or health system that's not trying to put out information about um COVID, right so they're you're like wash your hands this is how you get a test but in some ways that's a that's leadership but it's a bit of a minimal version of leadership, mm -hmm. right? The next kind of degree would be, hey, it's really important that you that you find the right, like you proactively talk about the idea that there is alternative information and you really need to be smart about this. Here's what it is, right? So that's kind of the next step. I think even what Katie's doing is a further step of leadership, which is, which is going after the false information. Um, that's why to me, there's more courage involved in what she's saying. Um, it's, it's a, it's a higher level of leadership. Uh, there's some risk in it yeah. because obviously you're out there talking about it in a way that some people may say, Hey, that's not a, that's not a conspiracy theory. Demon sperm's a real thing. Twice, <laughs> twice. I'm done. I'm done. Um, but look, that's what leadership's about. Leadership's yeah. any leadership is rarely where you make everybody happy. Leadership's about taking a stand. Um, and Katie's taken a stand. And that's why I applaud. I think we all applaud that. And there's the opportunity to go that far. And I think for health systems to think about how they want to do that with COVID-19 or other issues, um, I think is a really important conversation to need to have. It is. And taking a stand versus I guess having a statement ready if someone asks you or right. putting out some cursory things The you posted, I think you share with our company. I think it was you Facebook said, said that it took down 7 million posts pushing COVID-19 misinformation between April and June. So that's 7 million they took down, but we know there's many more that are up. So if, if you as an organization, as a system believe in, trying to combat this, then you can see what we're all up against here. Um, and that, I, I guess one last comment is, well, how do you do it? Because we've talked a lot about not going against the doctor, but we were talking to a client recently about masks and talking about masks in, a, in an area of the country, maybe it's a little controversial. And they had different approaches they were considering. And I'll say that while you wanna be engaging and um, compelling, with public health information that isn't always exciting. I do think it's really important that we get out there as arbiters of truth and not, and be careful on the shaming or political nature that you, you might want to go to. You might want to compel people by guilt, but that people are looking to us as objective um, sources of information. So you, you still need to do it in a strong way, in an interesting way, use creativity but just remember who you stand for and where your information comes from and, and avoid the temptation at times to maybe go the path that, that some other entities go because it 
does draw eyeballs. Yeah, and it, it, it's pretty much proven that trying to guilt people into changing their mind is yeah. almost has the opposite effect, right? Like it's almost always boiled down to, well, you believe that either you're ignorant or you're intentionally, you know, ignorant. You're intentionally doing the wrong thing. And that may be true for some people, but a lot of people would take that as like, okay, so you're just t- saying I'm a jerk. I'm either right. stupid or I'm a jerk. That's not going to get you anywhere. Even if it's true, it's not going to get you anywhere. And there, and it's not always true. Most of the time it's not. Most of the time there is nuance. There is mm-hmm. coming from their perspective. There may be all kinds of reasons. It's not because of ignorance or that they're a jerk. Um, but because of the partnership and stuff, it boils down to that. And I, we can, we can wrap here. It just, it just reminds me, Jeff, like you and I have been around long enough. We, we were actually alive at the advent of the internet. I don't know. Yes, Chase, we were. Chase I don't, I'm not going to ask you how old you are when the internet came around. But back in the day, there was a saying that said, oh, I found this on the internet. It must be true. Yeah. Which was a sarcastic thing followed by a ha, 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 ha. What happened? Like that was early. People got that early. And now we've gone to a place that it's like, oh, no, I found that on the internet. It must be true. Sophisticated. It's, it's a real, I found it. it's right there. Like, I don't know what happened, but in the beginning, people got that. People got like, oh, you can't trust what's on there. It could come from anywhere. And now it's the reverse bell curve. <laughs> we did, we did do a good job of, uh, I think sorting through information for a while, but politics and sophistication of sophistication. the way people, um, convey information, yeah. the, the lack of, uh, I think recognition of opinion versus fact um, or not even caring, just trust. There's so much information. People just go to what they want. My wife, she, she taught um, middle schoolers for a while and had a course on trying to find misinformation and how you identify it in fact versus opinion. Maybe we need to bring that back for all of America. (laughs) Should be a class for everybody. Yeah. I think it's too late. The yeah. genie, she's out of the bottle. <laughs> the stuff her back in. All right, let's wrap right there. I think that's a good, right. a good place. Jeff, thanks so much for being our yeah. legal expert. <laughs> not a legal expert. Yes, again, we're not legal experts. We wanted to have the folks from Denton on. They couldn't join us, but um, you know, they, they give us a lot of good stuff. So maybe we can have them back on at a later time. But again, Jeff, thanks. Great to be here. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chase. Chase, sir, again, thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Uh, I don't even know who we have next week, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Do you know, Chase? I should know, and oh, I don't. Oh, you got me on the spot now. Oh, it's Mark Fredson. Oh, awesome. From UCSF, yeah. So Mark Fredson's a senior marketer at UCSF, and I like to say the first hospital marketer I ever worked with. Whoa. 2000. Sorry, Mark. It was the year 2000, <laughs> the first hospital I ever worked with in marketing, and Mark was on that team. Right and around so, when the internet came out. Just right around. <laughs> That's right. Way back then. They were and faxing because each other. If it wasn't for Mark, I would not be sitting here. Because if it wasn't for the work we did with them, I would have been so attracted to hospital marketing and made it the focus of my business and the rest is history. And I, I wouldn't be here. I, who knows what I'd be doing? I don't know. I'll owe a debt of gratitude to Mark. We do. We do. No, that's the opposite. I. It's... Anyway, so he's coming <laughs> yeah, next week. Awesome. Um, if you have a topic that you want us to talk about, um, 
let us know throw it in the chat channel you can email us at nonormal at thinkrevivehealth.com uh, remember to go to our website thinkrevivehealth.com slash covid-19 by the end of today for a recording of this episode and all kinds of other content we got there blog posts reports research you name it um, we continue to to follow and put out all kinds of content on this so make sure you check that out subscribe at itunes and until mark joins us next week good luck out there in the no normal thanks for joining